and welcome to the Warrior Airmen Podcast, a podcast that enriches the unity of the community within the 102nd Intelligence Wing. This is the place where airmen can foster relationships built on our unique experiences. I am your host, Technical Sergeant Mandy Givens, and today we have the pleasure of having both Chief Master Sergeant Sean Sullivan and Technical Sergeant Gary Roberts. Before we begin, I want to congratulate our listeners for persevering through this past year's adversities. I'm hopeful you are in the same mindset as I am, that you feel more empowered to triumph over past, present, and future adversity this year and the years to come. With that said, again, we have Chief Sullivan and Sergeant Roberts here to discuss resiliency within our wing and within our lives. Before we begin, Chief and Sergeant Roberts, will you please give our listeners a brief intro of who you are and your interest in resiliency? Thank you, Ms. Thank you. Uh, I'm Chief Master Sergeant Sean Sullivan. I am currently the Wing First Sergeant, and first and foremost, I am an airman. Uh, when it comes to uh, who you are and what you do, uh, I believe that the most important thing that you can do uh, for your own warrior ethos and your own resiliency is to, is to uh, annotate who and what you are as, as far as what's most important to you. And the most important aspect of what I do is the fact that I am an airman and I am fully behind any type of resiliency program that we can do because when I look at resiliency and how it impacted my life, it, it had a lot to do with the social pillar and that sense of belongingness. So anytime I felt fractured or anytime that I've, I've felt like my resiliency was slipping, I've always been able to rely on that one component of good airmanship and that's wingmanship and that social pillar and to find strength in who and what I do and what I believe in and what my ethos is. So um, that's kind of why I always consider myself an airman first and foremost. Uh, currently I'm serving as the wing first sergeant uh, so I get to work directly for the commander and try to get around and impact uh, positively uh, as many airmen as I, as I can. Um, my interest in resiliency started probably when I was a kid. Uh, I was uh, a youth uh, growing up in uh, Columbus, Ohio, uh, kind of a city kid. Uh, we had a lot of uh, issues going on. And when you look at the four pillars of resiliency and for our audience uh, listening, um, there, there are... F- there are four or or more, depending on uh, on which uh, you know which uh, uh, AFIs that you're looking at, etc. But uh, of, of the four pillars, you know, you you have your uh, your physical pillar, your your nutrition and your fitness, and you have your social pillar, and you have your spiritual pillar, and you have your mental emotional pillar. And it was at a time in my life where all four of those had eroded, and I had a chat, chance encounter with a great bodybuilder. Uh, German guy. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, Arnold something or other. I think he went on to be an actor and a, and a politician as well. But he was given a seminar. And in his seminar, he was talking about the value of the gym and how the exercise and nutrition helped make him a better person because it also led to the fellowship of like-minded individuals um, who also uh, would help him socially. You know, So it, it led to friendships, and they would talk about deep spiritual topics, and it helped balance him emotionally. And I heard about all those things, and I sat there, and I was thinking to myself, I think it was like 13 or 14 at the time, and I'm thinking, wow, all those things mm-hmm. are affecting me and making me feel like a fractured human being. Mm-hmm. Um, so even from that young age of 13 or 14 years old, not understanding the concepts as we have them laid out in, in Ironclad now, I realized how important those things were for your wholeness and your wellness and making you a, a better, well-rounded person and have the ability to bounce back from trauma. 
Uh, so my foundations for the importance of resiliency go, go all the way back to, to my youth. And throughout my military career, um, I have seen it in, in every branch of the service mm-hmm. I've been in. And for your listeners, um, I've been in the military a long time. Uh, I've been in multiple branches of the service. Uh, as a matter of fact, I've been in the military so long in so many branches of the service. I like to jokingly say I started with King Leonidas, uh, Leonidas at the <laughs> Battle of Thinopoly, uh in, in 560 B.C., but uh, I have spent time in the Marine Corps and the Army, and now, as I said, I'm an airman. And resiliency has had many different names. It's had many different programs, mm-hmm. but it's been a common thread throughout my time in the military from 1982 until now. Um, so it's always been there. It's just so great to see what you are doing with this program and how it's being embraced by the command and the airmen and that we have other great airmen mm-hmm. and resiliency leaders like Sergeant Roberts here that are getting ready to grab this and steer it into a, a, a even higher level and even better direction. So I'm just honored to be here and I'm just so impressed with what you and what your team are doing. Um, so uh, I just wanted to say that, and uh, for your audience listeners, uh, that's who I am. And please, whenever you see me walking around, stop and engage <laughs> me because I want to hear your stories about resiliency and about the wing. And we, as airmen, can make this a better place. Sergeant Roberts. That's a, uh, you're a tough act to follow, Chief. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, Technical Sergeant Gary Roberts. Uh, I work in the uh, mission management team over in the uh, 102nd OSS. Um, and first and foremost, I am truly honored to be here. Uh, you know, Mandy, you and I had a conversation uh, several months ago, and you know, we just you know hit it off and started talking about this topic. And Chief Sullivan, I think uh, you and I first met in the gym, and uh, that's how uh, that's how our story started. As far as myself and resiliency, I didn't realize uh, I didn't realize the impact that I could have on somebody until uh, actually the turning point in my life when I was 35 years old and I went to basic training. And I really, I, I just kind of existed and never really put much thought into the influence that I could have over uh, the positive influence or negative influence that I could have other, uh, over people. And, you know, since that time, uh, my wife and I have really uh, just immersed ourselves in you know, trying to just be better people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the uh, our mission statement, so to speak, is, you know, to live a life that lives beyond ourselves, you know, to make a difference in someone's life, to, you know, have that snowball effect, that positive, uh, that positive influence and empowering somebody to be able to go on to greatness and achieve amazing things. I mean, last night we just saw Tom Brady win a seventh Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's absolutely extraordinary. And, to know that we are all bound to do something great. Mm-hmm. I mean, recently, uh, a couple of years ago, I read a book where it said the odds of you being born are one in 400 trillion. Mm. So the chance that you're here just to exist and, you know, just live a life, you know, you know, what, however many years that is, and then just move on is I, I'm, I'm not a believer in that at all what, whatsoever. And, you know, if we could be that force multiplier, you know, even just the three of us or someone listening to understand that everybody's born here to do something amazing. And I listened to, going back to Tom Brady, I listened to an interview with him recently where he was really having a tough time when he left California and he went to Michigan State University. And he had a mentor, uh, a sports psychologist that talked him through and, you know, showed him the benefit of hard work and determination. I mean, Everybody just saw last night, oh, Brady won another Super Bowl. You know, it's funny. I said to my wife last night, 
when Brady won, it was almost like I just this uh, voice kept on coming in my head, like Forrest Gump, and like, oh, I just went to the Super Bowl and we won again. <laughs> you know that it's just you know it's just expected, mm. but people don't understand mm-hmm. what it takes. I'd listened to Tom Brady and Julian Edelman speak at a Tony Robbins event a few years ago. And just what they do in the off season, mm-hmm. it just doesn't just walk on the field mm-hmm. and just is just greatness. And the amount of work and the time, effort, and energy that gets put in to do that, mm-hmm. it's the same as resiliency. And you know, understanding who you are and how you operate, and then understand mm-hmm. that you have the power to achieve or accomplish anything in your life. And you're always stronger than you think. You're tougher than you think, mm-hmm. and you absolutely can achieve anything. And I'm such a huge proponent. And being like the sports psychologist or the sports psychiatrist that Tom Brady was a major influence in him in his life, I would love to you know empower somebody, even just one person, you know, to go on and be the next Jonas Salk, be the next you know uh, Thomas Edison, or the the life changing uh, that changes the course of mm-hmm. history. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm such a huge believer in that. And like I said, to go back to the beginning, Mandy, the conversation you and I had, you know, when 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 we first met. Um, I just, I love that you care so much and chief Sullivan, you know, you listeners out there really don't understand, you know, chief Sullivan has a very, very powerful voice and a powerful message, but mm-hmm. I was afforded the opportunity when I listened to chief Sullivan, he speaks from the heart and I could see it in his eyes and how much he genuinely cares. And when he says to you, if you see him, pull him aside and talk to him, he wants to know that's not just words. You know, he, I could see it in his eyes. I mean, we're all wearing masks, but you can just see right into his eyes about how, how much he believes in that. And I'm just so honored to be part of this, um, to be part of this team. And I I can't thank you enough for for the invitation. No, absolutely. Um, You've inspired me just with, uh, reinvigorated me just with everything that you mentioned, you know, regarding personal, well, I would say personal accountability, but just um, the mindset that you have to take as an individual to see your worth and to know your worth and to go out there and achieve the things that you were born to do. And I agree with you 100%, Gary, I really do. And I I want our listeners to know like everything that um, both Chief and Gary have said just now, I mean, I this is why we're here today. We're here to discuss this. We're here to empower our listeners and um, to provide you our insights and how we came to feel this way um, about resenting about ourselves and, and to let you know that it may not be easy, but it pays dividends. It pays dividends for yourself and for everybody around you. So um, just to kind of go through um, a few things, you know, um, I want to begin first with uh, piggybacking off of what you said, Gary. I want to talk about us as individuals and how we can be accountable for our own resiliency and what that actually means. And uh, I'll just begin real briefly about my own uh, resiliency and resiliency story. But um, I didn't, I, I grew up in a very difficult uh, home life, very abusive mentally and physically. And um, I really just had myself to rely on. But, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, And I, I just naturally like to reflect on the things that are going on in my life. And at the time, I just kept looking to the future and thinking about what my life was going to look like years down the road. And I, I just held on to that. And I knew that um, growing up in that environment, it wasn't going to define who I was going to become. And I, I'm very grateful to this day that I had that mindset. I know not everybody has that mindset. I look at my sister and I look at my brother. Their lives are very much different than mine. And 
that was very frustrating for me at, at some points in my life. And I was just couldn't figure out for the life of me, why was it that I was able to overcome that environment and they weren't? And, um, you know, being a member of the Air Force, I've been very privileged in being a part of the resiliency program. I've discussed in a previous podcast with Joel Garvin how I came to be a resiliency training aide, um, pulling my weight with uh, instructing resiliency with first-term airmen and, um, you know, providing my support with weighing down days, squadron support. And then it just so happened that um, the MRT at my wing saw that potential in me and offered uh, me to go, you know, TDY. And, and from there, it was the sky was the limit. I just felt so empowered to... Um, build training programs and build training into my flight and just be that voice of resilience and use my experience as I am now to, to carry that forward. But it wasn't until the Air Force and going through that experience that I started really doing a lot of work on myself, really self-reflecting on that home life environment that I came out of. And I would hear people tell me, you know, you, you were lucky. You were really lucky um, that you, you made it out unscathed. Or I would never guess, you know, just speaking with you, that you, you came from an environment like that. And I had to, you know, take a second, take that in, kind of reflect and then come back and say, you know what? I'm not lucky. That was a lot of work. And it is continually a lot of work. It's not um, a one and done achievement. Resiliency, your, your self-accountability for your emotions and how you process information and, and your mindset, it's not a one and done. It's not a, a, a goal to the finish line. It's never ending. It's never ending work. And I think sometimes that we think of a resiliency lesson and then you just come together, you learn a skill, you learn a tool and it's just over. And that's not how this works. This is continuing, ongoing progress that you need to invest in yourself. And again, it's always going to pay dividends. So, um, you know, going back a little bit, you know, going through my, my teen years and just keeping focus on the future, joining the air force, going through resiliency, um, just realizing, again, that it's, it's, it's an ongoing process and uh, having that accountability to reflect on my choices, the, the things that I do, the, the goals that I have, and seeing that it's all connected, it, it just only I, it empowers me to, to want to help other people, basically. And, and, and knowing that it wasn't sheer luck that has brought me here today at this table, having both of you here to share your experiences, that it, again... Chief, you had mentioned with your um, physical fitness goals. It wasn't luck. It was hard work, continually hard work. Same with you, Gary. I mean, you're a physically fit dude. It's obvious that you know, when you walk around, people always know they can come to you for advice when it comes to their physical fitness. And it's been hard work for you, no doubt. And um, just, just like the physical aspect of our lives, the social, the mental, everything that comes in between, the adversities that we are challenged with, it takes a lot of work, and um, I'm going to shut my mouth real quick, but I would like for you know, either of you to jump in and kind of um, share a bit about that. I know, Chief, you did talk a bit about your teenage years and with your physical journey, but um, would either of you like to talk about maybe some mental adversities that you've overcame? Mandy, the first thing I want to do is I want to go back and find out who it was that said that you should uh, get into resiliency as far as training and programs, because I want to find them and coin them, because <laughs> you have been a godsend in this wing. Um, your devotion to resiliency and, and your vision, uh, it's just, it, it's incredible, and we are just so lucky to have you. Um, but back to, uh, back to the question at hand, when it comes to resiliency, aside from any program, 
there's one thing I like to try to get across to everybody, which I think is a fundamental philosophy of resiliency, and that is mindset. It all comes down to mindset. And I've heard over and over again that, you know, you have a victim or a survivor mentality. I think there's one more mentality, because when I look at victim or survivor, it almost sounds like there's a 50-50 chance. The mindset that I look at is the warrior mindset. The mindset that says, I don't care what's coming at me. I don't care if it is the Mongol hordes and all I have is a butter knife. I shall stand here and overcome. That's resiliency. And it's resiliency at, at, at any level that you have. But another thing that I want to slide into that is even the most, the, the most resilient person in the world, even somebody that has all the tools and all the training, even the strongest stumble. And it's not who you are. Don't show me who you are with an easy victory. Show me who you are overcoming a defeat. And I will give you a second example of myself. Having spent my entire life embracing uh, resiliency and, and working on, not even before they were defined, but just working on those four aspects of, of my being, uh, my physical, my spiritual, my emotional, um, you know, and my social, and constantly working those and having them entwined in my life, I, I came to a period in my life where I, I suffered oh, repeated repeated instances. Uh, as, uh, uh, for, for the listening audience, um, I had a long law enforcement career. And uh, in law enforcement careers, things happen. And I had a marriage at the time, and the marriage was crumbling because of what was happening to me in the police department and attitude changes. And let's just say, over a period of time, um, acute and chronic stresses crept up and I fractured. I, I was, I fractured. And here is where I like to talk about that wingmanship and that social aspect. Uh, police officers have, you know, the, the, the blue line. I, I don't even want to get into that. I don't even like that term, um, because it can be used in a negative or a positive, but they, they, there's a fellowship, uh, much like the fellowship of, of the airmanship, you know, the fellowship of airmen's. And I had a supervisor who pulled me aside and basically said, hey, listen, um, you were this kind of a police officer with his hand raised high. And he said, you've become this kind of a police officer with his hand low in a very short period of time. And this is not who you are right now. And you need to work some things out. So I'm giving you some time off because it's probably going to lead ultimately to you know, a bad ending for you as, as a police officer. You, you're not where you need to be. And I thought about, and I went, you know, you're absolutely right. I got to work on this, and what am I going to do? And I decided that I, I went to uh, my, my, my wife at the time, and uh, relationship, like I said, was fractured. And I said, listen, I'm going to take some time, and I think I know what I need to do. Uh, I have friends, even though I'm not, you know, really working with them. And emotionally, I know I'm a little fractured, and I haven't really been working out or training, and I need to do something physical. And whatever I do physical needs to be spiritual, too, and I need to connect. But I don't need to connect with others. I need to reconnect with myself. And so I went out and grabbed my ruck and bought some good hiking boots. And I went and I decided I was going to hike the Appalachian Trail. Mm -hmm. And I remember, uh, I remember uh, my, my, former, my, my former wife, uh, and we ultimately did separate and divorce, but had nothing to do with this. We got back on track for a long period of time. And, and uh, we had a very amiable, you know, uh, parting of ways, and, and we still get along well. Um, but at this time, this was, this was years after. So at this time, uh, I told her I didn't know how long I'd be, but I have up to 30 days off. And I started hiking the Appalachian Trail. And when I was hiking, I was, I, I'm going through and I'm thinking, and I'm thinking about different programs and different talks and different speakers and different things that happened in my life and trying to put the more positive 
connotation on it. And I remember walking and just stopping at places and just looking at a tree. Do no more than look at a tree and say, that's a really beautiful tree. I've neglected seeing that tree before. I've neglected seeing any trees because I've let myself get cluttered. I've let myself become fractured. I remember listening to the birds and listening to the sounds. I remember looking up and thinking, you know, uh, thinking about a higher power. Um, spirituality to me, I, I, I am a man of faith, but to me, I believe that yeah, your spiritual pillar is whatever you want to make it, whether it's, you know, the force from, from Star Wars or, or whatever, um, that, that it is, becomes your, you know, your, your tribal, you know, leaning or whatever, but the spirituality is within. And I reconnected and I walked about nine or 10 days, don't know how far I walked, but I remember I got to uh, one of the places that you could camp out and I ended up walking down and found a convenience store and I called home and I said, hey, can you come pick me up here? I, I feel good. And I got my bounce back and I went back to work and uh, talked to my supervisors and uh, basically, basically fully recovered and balanced. Mm -hmm. So I guess the two things that I want to get across um, from my personal story is even though I felt I had the tools, even though I felt I, 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 I had the playbook, I knew, I knew how to be Tom Brady on the field, but adversity happened, mm -hmm. and it affected my mindset. And once my, my mindset fractured, I needed something to get me back on. So it was that social aspect and that fellowship and, and having a wingman turn around and say, you know, yo, dude, um, you know, you're, you're off glide path, and, and, you know, your rate of descent is, is really hard, and you're a sharp 90 down. You need to recorrect and I'm here if you need me, but do what you need to do. And then take it upon myself to do that. So, um, you know, you can be out there and you could be listening to this podcast right now. And you could be at a point to fracture. And we understand. Reach out to a wingman. Reach out to a friend. Reach out to one of the three of us. Absolutely. Um, get, you know, get the help that you need and start working that mindset. I mean, people laugh all the time when they see me in the hallway. Hey, Chief, how you doing? And anybody who knows me, I say one of two things, which is best day ever or best day of my life. Mm -hmm. Is it really? Not every day is the best day of my life. No, and I realize it's kind of a standing joke. But the point that I'm trying to make is that if I can, if it's the worst day of my life and I keep saying it's the best, I can fake it till I make it because I will change my mindset. You know, words mean something. And what you tell yourself mm -hmm. about yourself means the most out mm -hmm. of anything. And if you tell yourself, I am valuable, if you tell yourself, I matter, even if you don't believe it when you say it and you say it over enough, you will get that mindset. Mm -hmm. Because the reality is you do. Mm -hmm. You do. You do matter. If you are a member of this wing and you're an airman, you're an airman in this wing, you are valuable. You matter. You matter to your wingmen. You matter to your friends. You matter to this world. And just because you don't think so, keep telling yourself you do and change that mindset and get, you know, you know, lean on the, the tools that are out there for you and we'll bring it around for full circle and you'll be where you need to be before you know it. Oh, thank you for those words, Chief. And, um, you know, again, like what Gary said, and, and for our listeners, you know, Chief, you are one of the most easiest uh, senior NCOs to speak with, and you always empower me when we have conversations. Um, so thank you for those words of encouragement. You're absolutely right. Um, 
I'm here. I know Gary, you would volunteer your time for sure, Chief. Um, for anybody listening that's having a hard time, and um, you know, always give your your coworkers and um, your supervisor, whoever you're trusting right now, you know, in your day to day life, give them an opportunity to, you know, sometimes you underestimate the people around you, but at the end of the day, we're all brothers and sisters in arms and we have each other's back and best interest at heart. I know it. Um, Chief, thank you again for, for sharing. Um, Gary, would you, would you mind sharing a bit of uh, some resiliency that you've, you've uh, garnered in your life through some uh, challenges or mental, maybe some mental uh, adversity? Well, just like you said, both of you, you know, it's a couple of things that you said and, you know, one thing that you said um, about, you know, people's opinions of you and you kind of touched on it as well. And the, one of the greatest quotes I heard from uh, a mentor that I've never met, but I listen to him all the time, Les Brown. Um, I don't know if both of you are familiar with him. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a great quote. He says, someone's opinion of you does not have to be your reality, mm-hmm. you know, and exactly to build off what you said, Chief, if you believe in yourself, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's where it all starts. And and just like you said, Mandy, about things will get hard, it will be challenging. And again, what you said as well, Chief, about how, you know, it's not always, you know, you're not always going to, not, not every day is going to be sunshine mm-hmm. and rainbows, you know. And much like yourself, uh, when I, uh, when people say, hey, you know, Gary, how, how are you? And I'm living the dream. You know, is it always sunshine and rainbows? No, absolutely not. But when I really think about my life and where I came from and where I am now, I mean, the power of belief, the power of hope is, I feel, one of the most strongest uh, draws in the universe. And I I read a book, I'm sure both of you are familiar with it, uh, Make Your Bed by uh, Admiral McRaven. And if those of you out here, if after this podcast, if you take, I believe it's 19 minutes, and listen to Admiral Craven's commencement speech at the University of Texas in 2014, uh, where he teaches very simple principles and attributes to, to his time in the service as a Navy SEAL. Uh, it's really great. And, but I mean, the power of hope, the power of belief, and you know, there's that old quote. I mean, I love my father. I grew up with quotes with, with my father, mm-hmm. and uh, that's it's funny because I believe it, uh, I, I speak in quotes often, you know, because I believe that there, uh, that there's a great message. And if you can keep displaying positive messages out there, um, you know, it'd just be better off for the world. But um, that quote that says, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. And mm-hmm. if you approach something with hesitation or disbelief that you're going to be able to accomplish it, you know what, you're probably not going to accomplish it, you know? And just like I said in the beginning, I mean, the odds of, you know, your parents meeting at the time they met and your grandparents meeting at the time they met, I mean, the odds of you being born is one in 400 trillion. So, I mean, I can't stress enough that, you know, everybody's here for a purpose. So when people ask me, hey, how are you? I'm living the dream, you know, and the power of manifestation. A lot of the books that I read, a lot of the podcasts I listen to, the, the panel discussions, you know, and you listen to these super successful people, they're regular people like you and I, but they achieve great things. You know why? Because they get out of their comfort zone and they did what was hard. I mean, Chief, you, you know, like I said in the beginning, I met you in the gym, you know, failure is, that's, that's where the growth happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, we work out to failure, you know, and I put that weight in that bar and I push that bar, I push it to until I can't push it anymore. Mm-hmm. 
And if I keep pushing that every single day, I'm going to be able to, you know, go from two reps to three reps and to then three reps to four reps. Mm -hmm. And you can draw that correlation in life where you put yourself out, you be uncomfortable, you believe in yourself because we're so trapped to this the uh, routine and self-doubt. I mean, you wake up, I mean, if, if you think about it, you know, you wake up probably, you know, before COVID, you know, there's your, everybody's life's a routine. You wake up mm -hmm. in the same side of the bed, you grab your phone, you check your social media, you know, you take a picture of your breakfast, you post it on social <laughs> media, have coffee, you know, you drive to work the same day, the, the same way you see the same people and it's a routine. And us in the military, a lot of us, you know, feel like routine is, is good, you know, and there is some benefits to routine, but it's also that it's also breeds stag stagnation mm -hmm. where, you know, you just get into the same and you fall mm -hmm. into a rut, you know? And, you know, if you, if you keep on doing the same thing over and over again and you're not being productive, mm -hmm. if, you know, if you have a bad mood and then you have, uh, you know, you meet somebody and, they, you know, if they do you wrong or if they, uh, if they make you angry, you know, mm -hmm. and then you keep on having, you know, this, mm -hmm. this time that you're having this emotional reaction is called a refractory period, mm -hmm. you know, and then if you have that, you know, you carry that with you a whole week, you know, spiral, exactly. You mm -hmm. can start to spiral and then, you know, you carry that for like a month, you know, and then, and then it becomes a habit and, you know, and so, you know, what's wrong with Gary? You know, I don't know. Let's ask, you know, well, what happened? Well, I had this thing happen to me like a month ago. You know, mm -hmm. I'm having this long, drawn-out emotional reaction. Mm -hmm. Well, if you keep on having that emotional reaction that, that that happens and you prolong it, you know, into months and years, then it becomes a personality trait, mm -hmm. you know? So it's breaking that cycle and it's understanding, recognizing, saying, you know what? I'm not going to let this happen to me. And I recently, it's funny because I always wanted to learn how to meditate, but I thought that it was just absolutely, mm. it was just hogwash. That is not possible to shut your brain off mm. and meditate until I had a knee surgery that completely put me out of commission. And those that really know me knows that I, I just don't stop working. I mean, I finished working the drill weekend, immediately went out plowing and I got home about, you know, 11 o'clock last night. And then I woke up and I had to clear my own property, you know, so I'm always busy. I always mm -hmm. get something going on. My wife and I, were a blended family. We both have two, two kids. So we have four kids pulling us in all opposite ends of the direction. My wife's, you know, flat out busy with work. You know, she's very, very successful real estate agent and moving up in her company. And so when I had to have a knee surgery and I was completely out of commission mm -hmm. on the couch, sitting there doing nothing, I don't, that's, that's not my MO at all. And I really, I read a book a coworker gave to me, um, by Eckhart Tolle, and he was teaching how to meditate. Mm. And it's just like anything else. You know, you keep practicing it more and more and more, it becomes easier. And the power of breathing about, you know, just closing your eyes and then not having any external stim stimuli, being able to creep in mm -hmm. and just focus on one thing, focus on your heartbeat, focus on your breathing, and just focus on positivity. You know, because another thing that I've learned over the course of my years is that Humans are the only species in the face of the earth that will be able to think a thought and be able to have an emotional reaction to it. I think all of us, you know, that wear the uniform, you know, it's funny because proof positive to this, my son, who's 17 years old, recently just watched videos about 9-11 and he really, he wanted to reach out to me and he, and he texted me and he, he was so emotional about it. You know, it was, you know, we're coming up on the 20th anniversary 
And it's funny because he and I were having this conversation about it and I started to get emotional, mm -hmm. you know? And it was 20 years ago. But to think a thought and you have an emotional reaction to it, you know? Mm -hmm. So if you think a thought and, you know, it's negative, you know, you could feel fear, anxiety, mm -hmm. you know, your heart may start, start to race. Imagine thinking a thought on positivity mm. and breathing and putting yourself in a good place. And just like you said, Chief, in, you know, a little while ago about how the, uh, I'm losing my train of thought right now. I'm trying to cover so many, so many things going on in my brain mm. because this is such a, uh, a topic near and, near and dear to my heart about um, having, um, you know, thinking positive mm. and believing in yourself and, you know, not sitting in that, in that, uh, in that negative mindset. You know, and bad things will happen to you, mm -hmm. and life is not always going to be sunshine and roses. And not everything, uh, not everything's going to be you know go go the way you want it to. You know, I mean, you have you don't have the power to change. You don't have the power to change someone else's behavior, but you have the power to change your behavior and your reaction mm -hmm. to that behavior. You know, another book that I read, the four the four agreements, uh, fantastic book, and it's like no one has the power to make you angry. No mm -hmm. one has the power to make you sad. It's you are in control of your own emotional reaction to that, you know? And it's a choice. And believe me, mm. four kids, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's it's not always easy, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, they do something. I mean, right. my youngest stepson just got his Xbox back today after, you know, losing it for 30 days, you know, mm -hmm. because he had an emotional reaction to something that happened, mm -hmm. you know, and then there's consequence. So it's very, very important to understand you know, that you have the power within you, you know, the power of meditation, the power of positive thinking. And the, the, be, the more you can practice that, the more you can build up your resilience mm -hmm. to, you know, negative in influences, the better you are suited that when that, not if, but when those mm -hmm. hardships occur, you will have the power to overcome it. Oh, absolutely, Gary. Um, and I want to continue with the momentum that you just, you know, you spoke about, but um, having those I guess, skills and tools to recognize. That's, I think, a lot of our issues sometimes is maybe not always being able to recognize that we're negative spiraling um, or maybe we do see it and we're, you know, how would you say, maybe not feeling empowered or not having the right mindset to really dig ourselves out. But, um, you know, there's so much that goes into play with that, you know, having a good, um, there was a term, board of directors, from um, Air Force uh, Resiliency Curriculum, having people trusting um, close to you, Chief, you had um, your PD supervisor pull you aside, or you have your wife and you have your kids to give you that personal accountability. But it seems like we're, all three of us, a uh, common denominator that we are pretty in tune with ourselves. We put a lot of work into ourselves. And um, the training for resiliency comes in, how that comes into play for our airmen here within the wing is having, having the interest to work on yourself first and foremost, and then having that pay dividends with our working relationships for our coworkers and subordinates. Um, you know, we talked a bit, quite a bit about our personal lives, but um, I think it's important to, to have this discussion about how that plays into our professional lives and careers. Um, again, you know, an adversarial type of uh, event that happened in my life. Chief, I'm a divorcee as well, remarried. And um, <laughs> I remember very vividly 
going through divorce and not really telling anybody at work. Um, first of all, it's difficult. I come from a career field with very few females and um, the guys, you know, they kind of were rough around the edges and I just didn't want to feel vulnerable in that and like letting them know that. Um, because sometimes people like to joke around with things. They don't know what is uh, off base, you know, to joke around. So I didn't really let anybody in on that. And I remember being at work and uh, having to leave for an appointment to, to file some paperwork or I think it was signing the um, divorce decree. But in any case, I had a peer uh, co-worker, same rank. Um, I was turning work over to him and he just decided to lay in on me about it. And um, I was like, hey, you know, I, I discussed this with our supervisor. I'm just letting you know, like, I have to turn this over to you. I have things that I need to take care of. And at the time, I, I was just so stressed and um, just, oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's not like me to be this. And this is really the only time that I've really experienced this. And that's why I remember it so well. But I, I let it. I, I just let him have it. I went in on him in front of everybody that we worked with. And um, I believe I even might have cussed at him. I, I, I'm pretty sure I used unprofessional language. And I did not tell him why I was uh, turning the work over to him. I was just letting him know like, hey, I've already discussed this. I don't know why you're being this way and that way and just really going in on him. And um, it didn't take too long, I have to say, after that event, uh, I want to say it was later in the day. I, I went, it was like during the mid part of the day or late lunch, um, went, took care of the paperwork thing, came back and um, pulled him aside and I apologized. And um, <laughs> I let him know that it wasn't, it was a very uncommon reaction. But, you know, I mentioned this because you were just speaking about controlling our emotions and being controlled. Like nobody has control over how angry you get or how happy you are. You sh we all have that control of how we see life and if whether or not we're going to be angry about something or have an emotional reaction to something. And I share this uh, example with everybody because, again, Chief, nobody's perfect. And um, I strive to be the best version of myself every day. But there, there are times in our lives where we're not our best selves. And that was a moment for me to reflect and to say, like, you know, these people don't, they don't know what's going on in my life. And I didn't let them in. And I didn't, I could have let them know something was happening. That was a choice of mine. But um, to carry that, that weight onto my shoulders and um, not have, you know, someone, either a mentor or someone I trusted within that work environment to let them know, hey, there's some, some stuff's going on. And, uh, you know, what, at any level, really, I didn't do that. And I, and then I just had a really negative adverse reaction and, um, Fortunately for me, this coworker and I were, were good friends outside of work as well. <laughs> I was actually his wife was uh, one of my bridesmaids, but um, we, the relationship wasn't um, severed basically uh, from from that moment. But you know, it's important that we keep our emotions uh, and that we're accountable to our emotions with our coworkers because again, adversities happen, tensions get high. Um, your nerves are exposed, if you will, but we got to make sure that we have that accountability um, so that we can not only not, you know, continue with our mission set, but have subordinates and have coworkers that are willing and vulnerable enough to come with, come to us, maybe not to disclose granularly like what is happening in their lives, but to be comfortable and say, Hey, you know, I'm not, I'm not feeling my best. And, um, Hey, I just want you to know that maybe 
that's all they need to, you need to know, or maybe they a little, you know, open up a little bit more. But that's that's the intent of this podcast. That's the intent of the resiliency for me is really just to build that unity within the community here in the 102nd. And I know it just starts with us and um, with our listeners. I hope that you're feeling empowered as we continue this conversation to um, to think a little bit about a lot of the things actually that we're talking about. And I know it's all very familiar. This is a human. Resiliency is human and adversity is human and uh, nothing that we've discussed today isn't something that someone else hasn't experienced themselves. I, I agree with that. And, and one of the things you were just saying is, you know, you, how, how being in control of your emotions, Gary, you're absolutely right. And how you had a slip up with, um, you know, with one of your, your peers at work and that happens, but how to get control of your emotions. And I want to share one technique that worked for me because there's going to be people out here listening right now going, yeah, you know what? that's great, but I have that happen to me. And, and how do you control it? And the mindset thing doesn't work really, really well. And I, I always like to try to reinforce with examples and how the pillars interconnect together. So if you feel your emotional pillar is fractured and you know you, you feel that tension building up or whatever, you can always lean on one of the other pillars. I know some people rely on prayer, some people meditation, some people will phone a friend. I'm going to give you a real world example of what happened to me. So I had a situation at work, Uh, I ran late, it was just a really bad day, got, uh, you know, just one thing after another, Uh, you know, it was a bad call, it was just bad everything, it was just a bad day. We can all picture that. Every one of us has had that same bad day, no matter what you do, whether it's sell cars or whether you're on a SEAL team, we've all had that bad day. So I'm late coming home for dinner. I, I didn't make it on time, and, and, and my, my wife, um, Susan, and I will mention her right now because she, she does like to listen to the podcast mm-hmm. because she's never been in the military, but she is an airman, all right? So she is awesome, absolutely awesome, but she holds me accountable. So I didn't call her, and I'm an hour and a half late coming home for dinner, and I open up the door, and I come walking to the door, and she's like, you know, hey, you're running late. Okay. I was at the brinking point, and what do I do? Yeah, yeah, I'm running late. Yeah, of course. Why are you asking me? Blah blah blah. And I flip out, and I go marching down the the bed to the bedroom, and I slam the bedroom door, and I got my back to the bedroom door, and I went, uh oh. About five seconds later, hear the door open, and I just feel a presence standing there. And as I turn around, she's standing there, all five foot four, hundred and forty pounds of her arms folded, looking at me, and she goes do you want to reevaluate what you just said to me? (laughs) And I looked at her on the verge of tears and said, deeply, Mm. I had a bad day. Mm. Okay, all right, you had a bad day. We talked it out. Fast forward, about four months later, that day repeated itself again Mm. because our bad days seem to repeat themselves, Mm -hmm. okay? Yes, okay, life is a gray slate with brilliant pops of color and an occasional black dot. Mm-hmm. Those black dots happen, and it was another black dot day for me. And same things happen, and I can feel it, and I'm starting to lose my emotional edge, you know, and it's time to go home, and I'm going to walk out the door, and I went, don't want that to happen again. So I went downstairs into the gym that we had in the police department, and I just started banging out some reps, and I started working on the bag. Mm-hmm. And I drank a lot of water, and I had a protein drink, so I put my nutrition in balance, and I used my exercise, my fitness pillar, okay, my fitness pillar. And it left me. And I went home and I walked through the door. And same thing. Hey, you're late for for dinner tonight, honey. Everything okay? I just had kind of a bad day. I'm just going to eat my meal. And I just want to sit here and just look at you and appreciate you. Wow. 
Same bad day, mm -hmm. same situation, two different outcomes because I just utilized one of the other pillars mm -hmm. that worked for for me. So when you're sitting here and you listen to the podcast and you hear us talking about that, that change your mind or do whatever, sometimes you need a spark. Sometimes you need that thing that makes mm -hmm. that snap in your head. Um, sometimes your OODA loop is just fixated mm -hmm. on the wrong thing and you're spiraling down and you got target fixation. What do you need to do? Lean on another pillar. Mm -hmm. You know, Say a prayer if, if that's your thing. Uh, phone a friend if that's your thing. Do some push-ups if that's your thing. Right. But break it and that will allow you to re-engage that mindset mm -hmm. and rethink about it and go back through the door so you don't take it out uh, the wrong way on people. So like you said, <laughs> recover after to the people that you've yelled at. Mm -hmm. Uh, it took me a lot of groveling. I think she got flowers every day for a week. Um, but, uh, but you know, we recovered. And that's the other thing when it comes to uh, your resiliency and the relationships that you build. Mm -hmm. You can have a bad day and you can say the wrong thing. But if you've built the right relationships with your surroundings, people will understand and they will forgive you. So... I always, I, I don't remember my successes. Mm -hmm. I generally tend to always remember the times I wronged somebody, mm -hmm. the times I said the wrong thing or made somebody feel you know, less than perfect because everybody's perfect in their own way. Mm -hmm. And I generally tend to hold on to those and I tend not to want to repeat that behavior even though I've been forgiven. Um, so you know, find a pillar that you can lean on do what you need to do to, to snap out of that OODA loop and break that mindset and then go back and reheal those relationships because I'm sorry is just two words, right? but words mean something. You know, words mean something. Mm -hmm. And so never, ever, ever pass up an opportunity to say, I'm sorry. And never pass up an opportunity to get pizza with friends either. Oh, yum. <laughs> this is why I don't compete in bodybuilding anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, real quick, I, you know, something... A lot of what you said resonates with some, um, I don't even know if you call it a metaphor, but um, basically how I view resiliency. And I think that you guys would like this, but um, everyone's familiar with getting something new, whether it's maybe a radio, a computer, um, alarm clock, and it always comes with commercial data. It always comes with uh, a table of contents and it's how do you use it? How do you maintain it? If there's something wrong with it, there's a troubleshooting guide of some sort usually with it. And I, I look at resiliency the same way. All of us as human beings come with our own handbook. But it's not laid out for us. It's not written for us. But if we take the time, we can write it for ourselves. And like you said, Chief, you know, my way of dealing with adversity in a moment, having that, you know, a split decision to, you know, emotionally outburst may not be the same as someone else's or yourselves. Maybe, you know, the physical pillar is where you lean. Mine might be something else. But in any case, like you said, if we can hone in on our individual needs and write our own handbook on how we can care for ourselves, our overall wellness, you know, how much better will we be as people and how much better will we be for each other? And I just, I don't know. <laughs> I'm stealing that, by the way. You know, oh, <laughs> yeah. Write your own no. instruction manual. Yeah, I, yeah exactly. I, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I don't know when I thought about that. I think it's from my uh, PML days working with uh, maintenance technical orders and technical orders, like having to be uh, <laughs> very in tune with those. And I just I, I just think that it's the best way to explain it, even um, to children. You know, if you know you have kids out there, if our listeners, I know a lot of you have children, if they're having a hard time trying to um, even 
balance their own behaviors and, you know, being accountable to their own actions, which I know is a struggle for young kids, you know, maybe explain it to them in terms of it might help them. I'm not sure. Well, it's listening to your story, uh, chief, I can absolutely relate to that. (laughs) My wife, you know, I'll come in and I'll, you know, I'll be having a bad day and my wife will just come up to me with a smile on her gorgeous face and look at me with her Mm. beautiful eyes. And she'll just say to me, she said, I'm not just, I'm just not going to allow you to be to be like that, you know? And I just, I just melt and I just say, you know, you're right. You're right. And then I just, you know, because it's, 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 it might, it might sound simple, but you know, sometimes it's definitely, it's definitely easier said than done. But I mean, at the end of the day, it really is a decision. And when I realized, when I first started to really understand that I was beginning to grow Mm. is when I swallowed that uncomfortable pill Mm and said, everything is my fault. It's all my fault. I own every decision I make, every action I take, and that's, and I need to hold, mm. I can't sit there. I, and I, I'm very candid with my kids, and sometimes my wife thinks I'm a little rough. And I just, I tell my kids, I said, you know what? No one's going to care why you didn't do something. You can give all kinds of excuses of why this didn't get done, or you can point the finger at somebody else. I said, at the end of the day, you got to stay on your own two feet, and you got to look at that person in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And you know what? You need to understand that you are flawed, that you are not perfect, and you will make mistakes, and you will fail, and you will fail often. But you just have to get on that back on that proverbial horse and understand that you know what? Know your outcome, and just keep changing your approach. And if it if it keeps, if it doesn't work out one way or another, keep ch- keeps holding true to your outcome and keep changing your approach. And you're not gonna. I mean, how many people? You know, I think a very common thing that people struggle with is you know diet and exercise. You know, a lot of people make excuses. Oh, you know, I can't. I don't have time. Or you know, I can't do this. I can't do that. Or you know, it's 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 my genetics, and that's why I can't lose weight. You know, at the end of the day. You own every action that you take, and you just need to decide Mm -hmm. that, you know what, you are going to, I think it was Malcolm X said that uh, what you don't hate, you will tolerate. Mm. You know, when you you make that decision, you know what, I'm not going to do this anymore. And you make that, you know, motivation gets you going, and that only brings you so far. It's discipline, doing Mm -hmm. the same tough action every single day again knowing your outcome and keep changing your approach mm-hmm. i'm not going to get into this a i'm not going to get into the whole story but you look up sylvester stallone's story about how how he how how he started mm-hmm. you know he was so down and out that he didn't have any money at all he sold his wife's jewelry and the only thing that he had is the one thing that he had in his life that he loved and that was his dog so he sold his dog for 25 bucks to a guy outside of a liquor store and then you know he he took that $25 and he, I'm, I'm paraphrasing this, but he ended up trying to sell, uh, he wrote Rocky, mm-hmm. you know, and every, and all the filmmakers that he brought it to, um, you know, he wanted, they, they loved the premise, but he said, you know what, I, I have to start in the movie. And they were like, what are you kidding me? Like you talk out of the side of your mouth, you look stupid, like you can't do it. And they offered him, I think upwards of $200,000 for the script. And then he walked away because mm-hmm. he knew his outcome, and and he wasn't gonna uh, he wasn't gonna deviate from that. He ended up selling the script for thirty thousand dollars in a starring role in Rocky. He took that thirty thousand dollars and he went back to that same liquor store, and he had to uh, he waited for a couple of days, hoping that the guy that he mm-hmm. sold his dog from 
would would frequent the store. And then on the third day, he the, the, the guy walked in. He says, oh, you know, remember me? I sold my dog. He's like, yeah. The guy's like, yeah, I love the dog. The dog's great. He's like, you know what? I was in a bad place. You know, I'd like to buy it back. He's like, no way. You sold me the dog, you know, fair and square. He says, I'll give you 100 bucks for the dog. He says, no, it's my dog. I'll give you $1,000 for the dog. No, no, no way. He ended up having to pay $15,000 mm. for the dog and a roll in Rocky in order to get that back. You know what? Again, know your outcome, keep changing your approach, mm. and don't stop changing your approach until you achieve your outcome. You will fail. You will fail over and over and over again. But like you, Chief, failure is where the growth happens. Right. You know, We remember our failures, the adversity, far greater mm -hmm. than, than, than our successes. But another thing that I live by is what you focus on, you will find. You know, I mean, we just, we're approaching the year with COVID. I could absolutely find things to complain about, to, you know, play the poor me's about, you know, but you know what I still say? Hey, Gary, how you doing? Living the dream. Because at the end of the day, mm -hmm. I'm happy. I'm healthy. I have an amazing family. I have amazing friends. Joining this unit was the greatest decision I ever made in my life. I mean, I had a whole career before that. And every day I meet new people and I learn about different people and it's truly extraordinary, the, the, the collection of people that we have, the intelligence and the caring that we have in this unit is just, I've never been surrounded by a greater collection of amazing human beings in my entire life, you know? And I feel like I owe it to this world, not just this unit mm -hmm. or my family, but I owe it to the world to give back. And um, I just, uh, you know, I say wholeheartedly, um, I'm, I'm, I'm on a mission to make as much impact and share enough knowledge and to be that ear and to, um, you know, can't emphasize enough that, you know what, anything is possible. You just have to believe it, you know? And I feel like that's, that's what resilience is, is just keep on, you know, repeated failures until you have that breakthrough moment, you know? And absolutely. And this is a great time uh, to transition to the fact why we're all here today. We're here to, um, for anyone listening to have a call to arms, to, for people to self-identify within our wing, to step up like you have, Gary, like I have and like Chief has, to um, have a voice in resiliency within this wing and within their flights, their squadron, their group. Um, so please reach out to myself, um, Chief Sullivan. We're both master resiliency trainers within the wing, and we're working on getting a program together um, to, to train up master resiliency trainers and resiliency training aides within this wing and really beef up the culture of resiliency within this wing. And uh, to foot stomp on that, um, th this program was actually uh, briefed to uh, the wing commander, Colonel Riley, and to the group commanders, and we, we have their support. And when you think of resiliency, it, it, this all goes back to the resilience tactical, resilience tactical pause that we did, which I thought was a very successful event. And I, I, I think we brought in great guest speakers, and it really showed wing-wide mm. that we need to um, keep messaging resiliency, and we need to have it as a team effort. So what better way to do that than to set up a resiliency team? Not just one or two people that are doing resiliency in the wing, but a team. So the thought process is to build the resiliency triad, which would be the master resiliency, tra uh, uh, master resiliency trainer, your, your, uh, your RTAs and your first sergeants within every squadron and flight. So we're not limiting, limiting 
the team to one person per squadron. So if there's like three people in the squadron, if you have two friends in your squadron and you're doing a lot of resiliency activities and you're active in that, it doesn't mean that, you know, we're going to pick one. No, we want to have one minimum in every single squadron, every single flight, you know, at, and at the group level. But we can take more. So if anything we've talked about interests you, um, you know, reach out to one of the three of us. Reach out to your first sergeant mm -hmm. or reach out to your chief because this is, this is real. This is something that we really want to do. It is not a program, even though I think it would make an excellent EPR bullet. Um, you know, you know uh, it will, uh, it, it, but it's not a program. It's not a collateral duty. It's a group of dedicated individuals that want to work on improving resiliency as a culture so that we all embrace it together. And we're doing a good job of that, but to help define it, to help guide it, and help build the team. So if you're listening and you want to get involved in something that, that is just a really great initiative, then step up and... Uh, We'll get you the training. You know, Mandy's got a great training program. We'll get you trained up, and we're going to get this thing, uh, you know, get this thing rolling. Thank you for those words, Chief. And I want to thank you, Chief and Sergeant Roberts, for contributing to the unity within the 102nd community. And for those of you listening and wish to contribute to an episode of the Warrior Airman podcast, please reach out to me via Outlook email or my personal email at mandy.givens at yahoo.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Take care. Mm -hmm.